Welcome to Inclusion Matters, a podcast about children's development from the Center for Inclusive Childcare. Welcome to Inclusion Matters, a podcast from the Center for Inclusive Childcare. I'm Priscilla Weigel, the Executive Director, and I'm here today again with one of our recurring guests on the podcast, Sarah Hawley from Minnesota Childcare Health Consultants, and she is a public health nurse, and she's out in childcare every day with her team supporting healthy childcare uh, settings and really helping all of you doing the work of caring for young children, helping you keep your teams healthy and also the kids and the families healthy. Welcome back, Sarah. Thank you for having me. Good to be here today. Well, I'm glad you're joining us. We're going to talk about something that is one of those issues that comes up when there's illness, when to exclude, when do you have the, um, you know, what are the guidelines? What are the expectations for excluding children from the child care setting based on their symptoms and their illnesses? And so I think we're going to have a real good conversation. And I know there's a lot of great information and I look forward to you sharing with us your knowledge and expertise. And when you think about exclusions, where do you start? Yeah, well, I think first off, you start with having good policies. Um, you know, it's inevitable that kids are going to get sick. So they spend, you know, a lot of time together um, throughout the day and they're in close proximity with one, uh, with one another. And um, most likely they don't have developed immune systems. So germs spread between them. Um, really true for infants and toddlers. Um, so children will experience a lot of infection in their first year of group child care. For kids whose first year of child care is during infancy, Bouts of illness um, may be more frequent. They can have up to eight to 12 more colds than a child who's cared for at home. So you really do need policies that are clearly written for excluding sick children as well as ill staff. Um, and these exclusion policies should be stated outright, you know, in the parent handbook, in the staff handbook, um, parents and staff should be given them or at least directed to those at the beginning of each school year or whenever the child enrolls or when the staff person is hired. And that's just gonna help when problems, you know, later come up, hopefully to prevent the problems um, when that child or staff member is ill. Another thing with the policies too, is to make sure the parent or guardian um, knows to be reachable at all times, so that if a child does get sick, that you have their current phone number to reach them, because um, they really should be picked up within the hour if they're sick and need to go home. So those policies I'd say are the best thing to start with. That's so interesting that you're sharing about that, um, a child new to childcare and new to group care, the amount of illness. I was just talking on the phone with a parent the other day who has two little ones in childcare and was getting over a cold just because, and everything that the child got, the family has been receiving as well. And so it's going through each yeah. family. And so I think that that is such a great reminder is to have really clear policies, but also the re regular reminders of those policies um, and the availability to be able to come and pick up for two reasons. I mean, for two big reasons would be if a child's sick and miserable, the last place they want to be is waiting for their parent on the bench in the office for that pickup because right. you can't bring them back to the classroom. Um, and you don't want to be exposing your staff and your team longer than they've already been exposed as well. So it is, it's just a really tough thing to, to try to get a parent. And, and it is hard to be available within the hour. I could imagine that that would be a challenge for some folks. Right. Especially if they commute, you know, 
further away, their commute could be an hour. So even having backup, you know, if there's a grandma or a friend or a neighbor or someone, not that you want to expose them, but just that you can get there in a timely manner. And I think the most important thing is just to make sure that you can be notified right away and then make a plan to get the child. And you're right, you don't want to expose the other children. So that child should have like a quiet place to rest where they're not going to continue to spread germs um, to the other kids and staff, if at all possible, that would be ideal. That's great. I'm wondering too, do you ever have sites that have conversations with parents ahead of time saying like, let's say this family uses public transportation to get to and from childcare, um, helping that family plan, do you, would you recommend staff doing that to just kind of say when they're enrolling the child, how are you getting to and from school or childcare? Um, I, I'm just curious if, you, if that's ever come up as, as a plan. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's why I mentioned, you know, having those clear cut policies and then giving them to the family when they enroll. And if you can actually meet with the family, you know, some programs kind of do an intake and go over those things. And so that could be a point of discussion. You know, well, if you do take public transportation, what happens when the child is sick? Are you going to be able to get here in a timely fashion? Do you have, you know, a backup person to get them? And just, you know, looking at all that and just having everything out front so that, I, like I said, that it'll prevent problems later on. Yeah. And when you think about those exclusion policies that you're talking about, what are mm -hmm. some things that parent, parents should look for when they're looking for a potential child care provider to say, oh, this is a really quality site? What are, what are some things that they should be aware of ahead of time? Yeah, that they have clear-cut exclusion policies. I mean, that's a good thing. We always think of our own child having to be excluded, and it's like, oh, kind of a drag. But that's a good thing because really what they're doing is putting the health and safety of everyone in the child care setting first. So you want that to make sure they have thought about those policies and have those laid out. But then the other thing is to have a good immunization policy. So does the program require immunizations? Um you know, the state requires immunizations, but in the state of Minnesota, you know, you can get a conscientious objector, you know, by having your form notarized. Um, so there are some child care centers that don't allow that. So looking at that, you know, does the program require immunizations just because child care providers, as well as the children really should be receiving recommended immunizations, that's going to decrease the risk of illness overall, if everyone's immunized. You know, I remember when I was in the classroom and for many, many years and just what was required for our setting where I worked to maintain health on this part of the team is really important because as we know, as we're all experiencing the, the child care crisis right now and the staffing turnover and the lack of staff in child care and just this rolling illness stream that's going on, um, you really want to do all you can as leadership of a center um, or a setting to make sure that you're doing what you need to do to keep your, your team protected too. So yeah, that's yeah. not yeah, just yeah, for the yeah, families, absolutely. but for, that's a good point. I'm glad you brought that up. So when you think about exclusion, why should a child be excluded in some instances? So several reasons. Um, one would be, you know, if the illness prevents the child from participating comfortably in activities, you know, they just can't function. They're just not themselves that's a really good sign that they shouldn't be there. They're just not feeling well. Um, the child needs more care than the staff can provide, especially without compromising the health and safety of other children in care. Because remember, we're talking child care here, so it's group child care. So with those two instances, it's really 
rather than thinking about specific diagnoses, focusing on the behavior of the child. Like, can they participate or are they requiring more care than can be provided? And then obviously the third one, the final thing would be the child's illness is going to pose a risk to others. You know, if it's going to spread to others, then they have to be out. Sure. I think for me as an adult, you know, I like to think about, well, how would I feel if I was just really feeling yucky? And would I want to be surrounded by 10 other three-year-olds? If I was a three-year-old, we'll say, when I'm just feeling yucky and I don't have, I mean, I, and, we'll, and I love that you brought up that behavior to watch for is the child just, they're not participating, but is there, do they have a shorter fuse? Have you noticed that they're crying a lot more right. easily? Are they clingy to the staff? Are there, you know, are there signs that you're noticing in their behavior that is different than their typical interactive style? And, and, and that's something to then watch for. And in some cases, they may be slowly coming down with something. They may not, I mean, in that case, that's kind of tricky because, you know, they may not be to the exclusion point, but you as someone who sees them every day, you're sensing that. And so as an ed- early childhood educator, mentioning that to parents at pickup, you know, oh, I've kind of noticed that she's been a little off today. She hasn't seemed like herself. Have you noticed anything at home? And, and starting that conversation. So you're kind of laying the groundwork for double check and make sure that everybody's healthy before you show up tomorrow. Yeah. And, you know, providers spend the majority of the time with the kids. You know, if you've got consistent child care providers that spend all day, they know the kids. So that actually can be a general exclusion. Exclusion, If you know this child is just not their self and they just cannot par- comfortably, you know, participate in the activities, you know, let's say they're just out of sorts, you know, uncontrollably ca- crying or, you know, yeah. just you know, really tired. Um, that might have to be an exclusion if they just cannot, you know, be comfortable in the normal daily routine. Or like I mentioned before, if they just require too much care, they need one-to-one care and you can't care for the other children, that might have to be an exclusion. And then obviously we look at all the other gen- general illness exclusions as well of symptoms. Yeah, which leads me to my next question. So what are those general illnesses that are really the criteria that you use for exclusion? So like we talked about with what I mentioned, if they can't participate, um, you know, they require more care than the staff can give without jeopardizing the care of other kids. Um, fever, obviously. So that is axillary under the armpit. If it if that thermometer reads 100 degrees or higher, um, or if it's an oral thermometer, it's 101 or higher, that's the exclusion. Um, diarrhea, of course. Um, and that that should be 24 hours um, until after the diarrhea has completely stopped before they come back. Um, so typically, if they start, you know, diarrhea there, you'll wait for a couple, um, you know, two or three episodes, and then you know that, you know, they're having that. Um, so that would be the exclusion for that. Vomiting, again, if they come to preschool or whatnot, childcare, and they're vomiting two or more times that day, they really should be excluded um, for 24 hours after that last episode of vomiting before they come back. Um, You know, unless they go to the doctor and the doctor says, oh, no, it was from this X, Y, Z, and they're fine to come back. But generally Mm -hmm. speaking here, Um, mouth sores with drooling. So they really need to be looked at. Um, And then if a medical exam indicates that they can return then that's fine. Otherwise, the sores technically should be healed. Um, a lot of times we see like hand, foot, and mouth to be specific and 
but we need that diagnosed first to see what it is. And then after they've diagnosed with that, they actually are able to come back to childcare. There's not an exclusion for that. Um, huh. um, well, with that, for instance, they really think that can be shed in the stool for weeks. So yeah, excluding them is really not going to do a, a lot of good. So they typically come back from that. Um, rash would be another one. So an undiagnosed rash, and this is outside a diaper rash, but you know, if a child shows up and they've got a rash all over their body and you don't know what it is, they really need to be seen just to make sure, you know, it's not an, a communicable disease that requires exclusion, something like that. And then obviously another general one would be just signs and symptoms of like a more severe illness. Like if they have you know, unexplained irritability, persistent crying, if they're just really unusually tired, they've got uncontrolled coughing, um, you know, trouble breathing, wheezing, um, just really unusual signs for the child that seem really advanced. Um, they really need to see a healthcare provider um, just to evaluate them to rule out severe illness. Yeah. I think it's it really is a great reminder to just build wonderful communication with the families you serve when you're in that setting, mm -hmm. because then you're going to have those conversations more frequently. You're going to be able to share information openly back and forth. And it's not going to be, you know, a big surprise if parents get the call that, oh, well, remember we thought about it and we were noticing these behavior changes and now uh, he just vomited and twice in this morning. And, and it was, you know, so you need to come and pick up. So communication is really key. I think building those relationships and those partnerships with families is so important. So, so very important. Yeah. Communication is key and also can help prevent a lot of illness too. Just, you know, yes. even if something is going around, like I mentioned, the hand, foot and mouth, make sure all the parents are notified that, you know, Hey, your child's in the toddler classroom and we had a case of hand, foot and mouth so that they can kind of keep on the lookout for their child if they start having symptoms. Um, you know, whether it's strep throat or whatnot, that they can kind of, you know, just be looking for that. So yeah, communication, that's a good point. It's really important. I've also heard recently that strep is really going around too. I mean, we kind of had the RSV going around before mm -hmm. the holidays and right around Thanksgiving time. And that seems to have calmed down. And then have you seen a lot more, have you seen a lot of strep in childcare settings lately? Yep. We've heard a lot of strep. It seemed like the RSV was more, it hit earlier. You know, usually we think of RSV in the winter and the yes, early spring months yes. and it was really in the fall more. Um, and now I have been hearing um, with strep throat and like with strep, they need to be fever free before they come back. Um, there is a new um, standard for the exclusion of strep throat. It used to be they'd be on antibiotics for 24 hours. And now American Academy of Pediatrics is saying 12 hours after they start the antibiotic, they could return. However, they still have to be able to participate comfortably, you know, not require more care than the staff provide and be fever free. Mm, okay. A lot of, a lot of factors to look at. A lot of factors. And th so that's, that's a great um, little segue into the next discussion here too is the specific illnesses and this you know with specific related exclusion policies what are some of those so with those I mean there's tons of different specific illnesses or diseases rather than you know we kind of talked about more general symptoms mm -hmm. um, you know with the fever the diarrhea vomiting that sort of thing those are just more general illnesses I guess I should say but like strep throat like hand foot and mouth COVID of course any reportable illnesses 
if you're in the state of Minnesota listening to this, um, you can look at the Hennepin County Infectious Disease Manual that is written for child care providers as well as schools. And they have fact sheets on every illness. So molluscum, I mean, you can you can name it. Um, everything is in there and it will let you know if it's reportable, it needs to be reported to the health department. You'll get direction from them how to proceed. That would, you know, be things like chickenpox is reportable, like pertussis, if we'd have a case of measles. There's a whole list of reportables. Um, but then your everyday childhood illnesses, like we mentioned, the hand, foot, and mouth, the strep. Um, so they're all in there and it'll tell you the signs and symptoms, you know, the incubation period, how it's spread, how to prevent it. And then of course, what everyone's looking for is the exclusion. And so we always follow that. That's great information. Um, and then those fact sheets, they have a technical one that is for the provider that'll give them a little bit more detailed information. And then it'll give um, sort of a synopsis in a uh, parent fact sheet. So when that strep goes around, you can, you know, you can send it home with the kids. But nowadays you probably just email it to any, um, to any child's family that was potentially exposed so that they know like, oh gosh, like I mentioned before, okay, there's been a case of strep throat. And we always tell providers, update the parents, say, now we've had two cases. Now we've had three so that the family can know, um, you know, and just be on the lookout. And then, you know, the family too can take extra precautions when they do pick up their child, just, you know, maybe you walk right in the door and you do hand washing or before you get in the car, just things like that. Yeah. So like you said, that goes back to the communication being key, but I would just direct for the specific illnesses and diseases, go to that Hennepin County infectious disease manual. Um, that's that's just a great resource. And like I said, for every specific illness, it'll have a fact sheet in there. That's fabulous. And I love the um, updating parents on the number of cases too, because that is really, you know, one isolated case, you can kind of go, oh, okay, we haven't heard much mm-hmm. about strep lately now, so it must be calmed down. But if, you're rec- if, if you keep hearing those updates, you're like, okay, we got to really make sure that we ramp up the hand washing after we leave, when we come in, all of those things, even though all they're all great precautionary yeah. measures that we're all supposed to be doing. Sometimes right. we forget. Yeah, it's good extra reminders of good times to, that you really for sure want to be doing it, even though you should be doing it all the time. Yeah. So when so there's times when it's okay to stay. You don't have to exclude. Right. What are those times? What are those um, situations like? I will say a caveat with this. My answer probably would have been different three years ago than it is Mm, now because of COVID. (laughs) So, you know, just because most children's illnesses are respiratory illnesses, you know, runny nose, the cough, congestion, those symptoms. So let's just talk about this. Let's say we've ruled out COVID. There's been a COVID test with those symptoms and it's negative. Um, You know, colds do get passed from one child to another. Um, It's just part of their immune system. You know, it's not quite developed, Um, but they don't always need to be excluded. So they can often participate in routine activities. You know, if they're comfortable, they don't require the extra care we've talked about. They don't have a fever and they feel well enough to participate in regular activities. Maybe they just have that runny nose. Like I said, we know if you've already checked out that it's COVID negative and the staff can care for them along with the other children, then they can probably stay with no problem. You know, colds are going to happen quite frequently. Yeah, that's for sure. And even runny noses related to allergies, especially in preschool and early childhood, those year, many children don't know what they're allergic to at that point, or if they have allergies, right. but that recurring runny nose or that little tickle in the back of their throat or can be related to allergies. So as you said, you know, ruling out 
the the heavy duty ones of COVID and some of those other ones that are exclusionary. But sometimes that is true that if the child seems fine and is able to play and participate and just has that clear runny nose, you know, and we, we all remember those days as parents when our children had long standing sniffles or, you know, a tickle or whatever. And it's turned out to be just, they were exposed to a lot of dust or, who knows yeah. what? And sometimes you do kind of wonder because you see the thick nose drip and all, and you yes. kind of even feel bad like having your child there. But you know, if they if there's not a lot of other symptoms and you've checked out everything else, you know, sometimes those can go on for a couple of weeks, and it would yeah. be hard to keep them home with no other symptoms, especially if they are acting perfectly fine. Sure, and fever free. So, so when we as we wrap things up, some of the main takeaways that you really want to highlight when we think about when to exclude and and what that involves, what would you what would you put out as kind of the the wrap up? Yeah, well, I would say the good news is that we kind of talked about the first year of childcare and infancy with how much they get sick. The second year of attending childcare, the number of respiratory illnesses will begin to decrease. So that's the good news. You know, their immune system's developing. Um, and then when you actually look ahead to kindergarten, you look out those five years, children who have had the prior group exposure do get less infections. So that's the good news of it. Um, but I would just say looking at symptoms is important. Um, but like I said, once you've ruled things out, really equally or even more importantly, look at that behavior of the child. Like I keep saying, can they participate in the normal activities or are they requiring too much care? Um, and it affects you know, the staff's ability to care for other children. So really looking at their behavior. And the other thing too, with providers, like we don't expect them to diagnose. We don't want them to be diagnosing. So you know, if they know the kids and they're probably gonna know their normal behavior and when they're just not acting right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think another important thing too for providers is being able to recognize when a child might be, you know, going downhill and maybe becoming severely ill, you know, any respiratory distress or they're becoming lethargic, which is just really being extremely tired or just really out of it seeking medical care. So providers, you know, they know the kids and just to really kind of keep in touch with the parents and, you know, keep communication open um, and ongoing. So just that they can recognize those things if a child does start to go downhill at all. That's fabulous. Well, as always, Sarah, thank you for being with us with your wealth of knowledge and expertise on all things health-related in the childcare setting. And we do have a whole series of these podcasts that we've recorded over the last few years here with Sarah. And one recommendation that I think really is useful, if you feel, if you're able, I don't know how many sites are able to do regular staff meetings these days, but if you are, listening to a podcast and then having a group discussion, going over your policies, this would be an ideal topic to uh, to use for that very thing. Um, but we have a whole whole bunch of different ones related to health and safety. And of course, all of our other resources are available on our website with these podcasts uh, at inclusivechildcare.org. And um, we'll look forward to having you back again, Sarah. I know we have a few more scheduled on some other hot topics in the world of health and childcare. So thank you for being here. Yep. Thanks for having me. Take care. You too. Thanks for listening. For more resources, visit us at inclusivechildcare.org.